Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcaster, Mark Cotrera, with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut. Welcome back for another week, another episode. You know where to find me. My link is going to be on my Facebook. You can always go directly to the Anchor app, anchor.fm, or even Spotify. And of course, you know, I'm going to tell you, go to Spotify, go and click my pretty little face there, follow and it's going to let you know each time my next episode comes up. But you also can get me anywhere that you get your podcasts. But thanks again for the listens. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Got a fun show for you this week. It's not going to be another double hitter, although although it's kind of going to seem that way. But we are going to be talking about a little bit about what happened in sports this week. It is Sports Sunday again. Brought back Sports Sunday, as you see from the title there. And we're going to be talking a little Saints here because we're almost there. We're really close to the Hall of Fame game. It should be in the next week or so. Preseason is going to be kicking off. We're getting closer and closer to the college football season. We just had the All-Star game and the Home Run Derby uh, for, for baseball. It's it's that fun time where that exciting time, almost like Christmas time, you know, where it's it's not too soon where people playing Christmas music way too early, but it's that right part for those of us who work and we're trying we're trying not to get stressed out about it. And we start hearing the Christmas music, getting to the Christmas spirit. That's kind of what it's like right now. It's that perfect time right now. American sports, uh, you know, baseball and football. That's the biggest thing. So, of course, we have an NBA and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't follow NBA too much because it kind of turned me off a lot. But we're going to jump right off into it this week on Sports Sunday with the Saints. Going to talk a little bit of the Saints here because we got a little bit of news coming up. Uh, you know, it, it, there's, there's all kind of things happening for the Saints, you know, from the last couple episodes, you kind of heard me talk about some of this stuff. You know, Jameis Winston, we have acquisitions of Juice Jarvis Landry, uh, the Honey Badger, uh, picked up Chris Olave from uh, in, in the first round from Ohio State. And so you got a, a pretty sick receiving crew there. Still kind of short on the t- tight end area there. Uh, you know, I know we have Taysom set up and, and is listed as a tight end, but let's be honest, he's not going to play tight end. He's going to play the Swiss Army uh, knife role again, and uh, it, you know what's going to happen there. In the backfield, it may be a little, you know, you have a unsigned, uh, draft, undrafted free agent signing from Baylor to run it back there. I could, guy's name's over my head right now. I can't even think about it. And you still have Mark Ingram, who's there, and you have Kamara. Uh, and, and I'll start with the Kamara situation because... This is a questionable part for the Saints offense this season because really let's be honest, you can have all the receivers that you can that you need uh, that we have, which is a, a very stout receiving crew. And you can have an iffy situation at quarterback, which we have. But if you have something that's sustainable uh, to keep the offense on the field, with not only a running back, not only like a, a Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry type running back, but a guy who is a, a dual threat, a threat as much in the passing game as he is in the run game in Kamara, which honestly, in many ways, I think he may actually be, be better than Christian McCaffrey. I know McCaffrey gets a lot of love, and I, I, shot, I give him a lot of love and a lot of props too. Uh, but I think he may be a little bit better. Uh, and, and so, but what we're looking at, and of course, those of you already know, you know, I've kind of shot away from it for a while because I just didn't want to talk about it, but it is what it is. It, it, right after the Pro Bowl or during the Pro Bowl weekend, it goes and gets into a fight. There's on YouTube if you want to watch it and all that nonsense. Not really a fight. I mean, he and a bunch of other guys jump some other guy, uh, and it's not good. And so it's they're pretty much waiting for, you know, arresting 
situations. There are still, it's a lot of legal nonsense, but the league is still uh, determining when they're going to lay down the suspension. Let me go ahead and let you know, it's going to be a six-game suspension. It may get, get appealed to a four-game suspension, but it's going to be a six-game suspension on the paper, uh, and they may win it down to a four-game suspension. Uh, that's a huge loss. But let me tell you this, too, and I saw a report, and this is what made me think about it. It was asking, when will the suspension for Kamara happen? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's not going to happen at the beginning of the season. Those of you who are Saints fans, and I'm not being a conspiracy theorist here, but those of you who are Saints fans, those of you who have paid attention to the NFL for a while, even outside of the Saints, and you could even use the uh, Deshaun Watson situation as well, know that it's not coming at the beginning of the season, number one. But outside of that whole situation, going back to Kamara and the Saints and looking at other suspensions, even looking at the suspension last year from our receiver, Devontae Hardy, no longer Harris, um, it was held off until later on in the season when we were, you know, closer to playoff run of a sort. So let me go ahead and tell you how it's going to work out. This is going to be my prediction of what's going to happen. It's one of two scenarios. Uh, if the Saints run off at the beginning of the season and are really taking uh, the league by storm, and they are taking the division by storm for sure, and they're embarrassing the Tampa Bay Tom Brady's, then they're going to go ahead and lay it down in the middle of the season, right? Because you can't have that. But here's my other scenario, and I'm telling you one of these two are going to happen, unless the Saints just bomb and then they just suspend him whenever, regardless, anyway. But my second uh, option here, what what's going to happen uh, is uh, you could see a tight race but in the division and in the playoffs, but neither team is really like a Green Bay situation where they're going to go 13-3. and three. Uh, But those two top teams are right there on the cusp of being the division leader on a decent uh, record each team, and they're really close, and it's getting closer to the end of the season. That's when Kamara will get suspended, his six games. And even if he wins the appeal and gets four games, by that point, Tampa Bay will go on ahead and pull away, and the Saints will be scratching for an opportunity to hope for somebody else to, to win a game or lose a game for them to make it to the playoffs, kind of like last year. So you can kind of see it. And you can say I'm conspiracy theorists, and some of the people who are like Rams fans, etc., saying Saints fans whine and cry, and, and everything's conspiracy, etc., etc. Just pay attention. You can go back and mark the tape here. You can go back and listen to uh, July preseason, pre-preseason Sports Sunday when I predicted that it was going to be one of those two things. And it's going to be dependent on what the record is and what the Saints record is and what Tampa Bay Tom Brady's record is. And that's going to determine a lot. This is going to be the last ride for Tom Brady. So you know they're going to make sure that he gets at least deep in the playoffs, if not to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl and ride off into the sun. There's a lot of stuff in the NFL that's fixed. You can't tell me it's not. You never had a, a team play in the Super Bowl in its home team, much less win one, and in the last two seasons, what's happened? <sighs> you never had situations happen like that whole Saints-Rams thing before that was so blatantly obvious, obvious to show that a lot of stuff is fixed. But you understand that a lot of stuff goes off of Vegas and the betting and, and stuff like that. I'm not trying to go on a downward spiral there. But those are my two predictions. One of those two are going to happen, and it's all going to be dependent 
on what the Saints record is and what Tampa Bay's record is and how soon they get to that record. So because like I said, if they get off to the bat, say they're six, five, six, seven, and zero, oh, and Tampa Bay is like four and three, they're gonna go ahead and do it right then so Tampa Bay can catch up. Mark my words, one of those two things. So moving on. Another big story from the Saints. Uh, there's two guys that we got back uh, that uh, are big, integral players for the team. Uh, they are question marks at the same time. They are uh, Davenport, Marcus Davenport, and Michael Thomas. So when I first saw this report that they were both going on a PUP, uh, physically unable to per, uh, participate list, um, at first I was kind of like, like, of course, just you know, not just aggravated because of these two. Uh, and, and the reason, and I'll explain the reason why. I'll start with Davenport first. This is a guy that you gave up almost a Ricky Williams-type draft for. And yes, he's been decent. Yes, he's been pretty good. But when you give up that much, you need a guy to be Lawrence Taylor or Ricky Jackson. He has to come out and produce. And he hasn't produced to that level. He's good. He's really good. He's still raw. Don't get me wrong. He could somehow, some way, turn into a Hall of Famer. But he's not even the best defensive end on, on his team. Sometimes Last year, I'm sorry, the year before, he wasn't even the second best. Trey Hendrickson was. That's the reason why he's up with the, with the big contract up there in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. So th- this, this is kind of aggravating that this guy is not, he's on the PUP. And he's been injured an awful lot, man. So you kind of just get like, oh, my God. And then moving on to Michael Thomas, you're like, this guy... Missed all of last year for injuries, most of the year before with all uh, injuries, and then he's become an absolute total head case. He's become AB's like understudy. Uh, and if you know who AB is, it's Antonio Brown. I was trying not to cause anybody to go into PTSD situations with that, but you understand what I'm talking about. This is a guy that absolutely, ju- I mean, it, it, for those of you who forgot, and because media always steers the narrative to the way that they don't want you to hear or do want to hear. This is the guy that had Drew Brees as a quarterback who made him who he is, made him the best receiver in the league for two years, come out and said that Drew Brees was horrible and talked all kind of tra- trash about him. And it was it was ridiculousness, okay? So that part, we kind of washed that away. We forget about that happening and whatnot. But And then last year he decides he didn't want to play because he didn't know what was going to be what, what with the quarterback situation. And when I and before those of you jump on me saying, well, he was injured, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was injured before, and he waited till the last moment, way late, to make sure that he could miss the whole season before he had surgery. So there's a lot of stuff off there. That's the reason why I say a head case. But when I look at it, I kind of have to give Dennis Allen a little bit of props on this part. And the reason why I say that is because you have two guys uh, that have been unhealthy, air quotes, for Michael Thomas. Um... And so you don't want them to get injured through through preseason. You want them healthy for the regular season, um, and also when them when you have them on the PUP list, that leaves roster spots open that you could sign other people, which is huge too because you're you're still going through your cutting phases or who you're going to cut, etc. Here, etc. There, but you still have a limited amount of roster spots that you can have. So you put them on the PUP list. And you can have more people coming in for for different areas where you have need before so that you can make a decision on who's going to make the team for different positions. Those who are on the cusp, those who are on, on the balloon. Uh, you know, so this is this is actually a smart move. So I give them props on it because, like I said at first, I was quite upset about it, man. I, it's like these two guys, oh, my gosh. I'm hoping, as a Saints fan, 
that Michael Thomas becomes Michael Thomas at least halfway through the Michael Thomas or halfway of what the Michael Thomas that he was before the uh, head caseness and, and the air quotes injuries. Uh, and Davenport lives up to be at least the second best defensive end on the team uh, because what you gave up to get that guy in the draft, two drafts actually, uh, for a guy from a small college. Uh, I guess you were hoping he was DeMarcus Ware, but he hasn't been that, man. Uh, DeMarcus, for him to be DeMarcus Ware or somebody like that, that would have been great as well. But he hasn't been that. He hasn't been that. Matter of fact, Cam Jordan has been the man since he's been there. Trey Henderson has been the man, uh, which I think Trey Henderson may have been in the same draft as the draft before or after, right around that area. But anyway, so overall, I'm looking for a good I, – I think next week I might give my – my preseason predictions for each division in the NFL. I, I think I might do that. I'll, I'll get somebody to remind me. Uh, but that's what that's what we're looking at right there. That's what I wanted to talk about. That's what I wanted to give my argument about. My I wanted to be able to air that out so we could talk about the Saints a little bit there for it. But I did say, I did want to hit on this really quickly. I don't know if you watched the Home Run Derby and or uh, the All-Star Game. I watched a little bit of the All-Star Game. It just didn't hold my interest like it did when I was a kid. Unfortunately, uh, I did watch a good bit of the home run derby but here's the thing unfortunately you can get everything from bleacher report espn on your app on your phone that tells you everything that happened so you don't miss a beat on anything uh, i did watch some of the home run derby let me tell you i did want to gripe about this uh now the 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 national anthem when it was saying at the uh, all-star game was great it was beautiful it sounded great they had everything taken care of but if you happen to watch uh, the home run derby and listen to the national anthem there. And if you know anything about acoustics, if you know anything about harmonizing, if you know anything about music or anything, or if you have an ear for it, you can hear exactly what I heard many other people heard. Uh, and some just heard and it was like, man, that was horrible. But the poor guy gets up and sings, and you can hear him every once in a while getting into the right, where, where he's feeling comfortable, he's singing gracefully. But you can hear, the, they were playing... I don't know if it was over the loudspeakers through the, the, the automated system or or if it was a band. I don't remember, but I remember the national anthem sound was playing in the background, and it was playing so overwhelmingly louder, so much more overwhelmingly louder than he was singing. Poor guy couldn't hear himself. So it was a horrible situation. Like y'all have done this like a like millions of times by now, but all the I mean, you have 186 games a year. Uh, it's I mean all these different teams. And your baseball's been around forever, and somehow, some way, we can't get that part of the audio right. Just it, it cracked me up. But the uh, the you know the home run derby was fun to watch. Parts that I watch, I like the new format that we've we've adopted the last few years. The head to head, make it go by go by a lot faster. And I, I like the I can't even think of his name. I should have done some research. Shame on me. But the uh, the young guy, the rookie from from Seattle, goes all the way to the. Uh, uh, to the finals and loses to Juan Soto, which, by the way, I'll talk about Juan Soto in just a moment. Uh, and but in the first round, hits 32 home runs, unstinking real. Like if you should go back and watch that because that that was something to see. It was outrageous. Juan Soto, I'll talk about that for just a moment. Me and a buddy of mine were talking about it. Uh, you know, he turned down an outrageous deal to play somewhere, and uh, so it was obvious that. Either he just didn't want to be there where he's going to be back at his home team, where he's at now, or he was wanting to go to a contender because obviously he didn't want his money. But I told my buddy too, I said, honestly, this this is what I think. I think because 
I, you know, I watch, I keep up with sports a lot. And there's a lot of people who n- know Juan Soto from paying attention to baseball awful lot. But before this whole contract negotiation situation, most people didn't even, didn't even know who he was. I mean, he wasn't at uh, show. He wasn't Trout. He wasn't Bryce Harper. He wasn't Acuna. There was, it wasn't a name that popped off that you just knew. You wouldn't associate baseball with Juan Soto so or, or even with a team in the MLB. So this is one of those times where it's like, okay, well, look, I'm going to get my name out there. This is this is marketing 101 right here. This is my agent working deals. for. This is my PR team working great deals for me because he probably end up signing back where he's at right now. Let's be honest. He may go somewhere else, but he's just he's 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 loving that moment of being courted. So it, that it, it is what it is. But I'm telling you, that's exactly what it was. It's a marketing PR situation where he can get his name out there because he is a great player, but nobody knows who he is really. Those who don't pay attention to baseball, who know about Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Ronald Cunha, you know, the, the, some of the list of the names goes goes on. They don't they don't know who Juan Soto is. They haven't heard of him, so he's got to put his name out there. So anyway, my last thing that I want to talk about, and you know, from the last two uh, episodes that I've done, which was the doubleheaders, I've hit on a couple of things. I've hit on. Jimbo and, and the SEC, and of course last week I hit on the SEC media days because that was this past week. Big 12 was the week before. Some of the Pac-12 was this week too, I think, as well, because I know there's a lot of rumblings and talkings what, what the Pac-12 commissioner was talking about, etc. But the SEC media days was this week. And let me tell you, two years ago when Mike Leach joined the SEC, two years ago from now, that doesn't mean he was, you, you'll, you'll follow, just follow with me. When he joined the SEC, I told you he is going to be the most fun person at SEC Media Days. And typically, you're going to have a little bit of Lane Kiffin in there being silly, too. But he didn't really pop off this year like he could in the past. But it, you have to go and listen to some of his some of his stuff that he talked about. I love it because, and I know a lot of people who are Mississippi State fans, who are state fans, they don't even really like him. I can tell you this, like I said, they're going to be one of those teams that's a Jekyll and Hyde team all season long. That's how he's played all of his career. All, I mean, how he coached all of his career. He's going to upset a couple teams, and he's going to get upset by some teams that shouldn't even be on the field with them. It is what it is. But his his interviews or his conferences are both. Oh, my gosh, the dude is absolutely hilarious because I know he's a hippie, and I know he just talks about off-the-wall stuff. I know it seems like he just smokes some peyote or whatever before he gets up and talks. But it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, he talks about Area 51. He talks about all kind of crazy stuff. And I'm not just talking about this last time. Every time he gets up, he just talks about all cra- all kind of crazy stuff. You may want to go and just listen to some of his highlights of him talking. It's absolutely hilarious. But the biggest part about SEC Media Days, of course, Brian Kelly was there. He was the first speaker, and he did, did a lot of talking about LSU. Uh, I'm not even going to delve into that. But the two big names right now, well, really, the one big name and the other name that keeps trying to be his big name, the little weasel himself over there at Texas A&M. Um, there, you just figured that there was going to be some type of pop-off, right? There was going to be some type of continuation. You were kind of hoping for it almost, you know what I mean? Because it was going to be exciting, uh, you, you know, instead of just sitting around listening to the coaches talk, etc. Uh, <laughs> but... When they got there, it was nothing. And, of course, they did keep them separate. Saban and, and, and uh, Jimbo weren't on the same days. They made sure they were two days apart so they wouldn't even cross each other. Saban was Saban. He was like his Belichick-type self the whole time, talking, explaining what he meant during the NIL conversation. 
and it all made perfect sense. It absolutely made perfect sense. Yeah, it's pretty much a right along the lines of what I've been talking about with NIL and the situations that it is what it is on there. But and of course Jimbo got up there and you know, you just expected him to be the Jimbo of 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 the last what, six, seven months, I guess, and be the little weasel that he was. But I obviously when the SEC commissioner Greg Stanky got on to him and said this is not becoming of SEC coaches, uh, he kind of back 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 on there. And uh, I know they had a meeting a, a few weeks before, and everybody was able to hash everything out. But it this could have been an opportunity. They they really could have marketed this better. They could have had a situation where I know I said before celebrity death match from MTV, but it, 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 throw that silliness onto the side. They could have had a marketing situation where it was almost like UFC or boxing used to be, right? Like UFC now, where you have them on the same day and they end up squaring off and staring at each other and, and face to face. That would have been absolutely hilarious. You know, they would have people hold them back, acting like they were actually going to go after one another and pointing, talking about screaming at each other. Wait till October 8th. I didn't cheat. You didn't cheat. I never narked on nobody, etc. It could have been great, but they fumbled. They fumbled it. That SEC fumbled. Well, SEC doesn't fumble a whole lot other than like bringing in Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, yes, I said that. I don't. I don't like it. You know, I don't like it. But they fumbled this for sure. They did. They they could have really just let this go. I know, quote unquote, it would have been a black eye on the SEC. But man, come on. When you got a little sniveling weasel and who the little fast talking whining, like somebody squeezing um, his uh, neck while he's talking the whole time talking really fast and talking out of the side of his head and out of the side of his face and then Saban going back and forth. Dude, that could have been amazing. Why didn't they let that? Anyway. Anyway, you know, I'm just rambling because I, I, I think that would have been great. I would have loved to seen that anyway, but it cracks me up. Uh, and y'all know my feelings on Jimbo. I think y'all kind of get the, the, the cups, the crups of my feelings on Jimbo, right? You know, that the, in the SEC, I, there's some teams that I don't like. Texas A&M I don't really care for. They're still one of those teams that, you know, like Missouri doesn't feel like an SEC team. Florida, to me, is not an SEC team because I hate them. Let's just be honest. I just hate them. I don't really care. I don't really care if I hurt anybody's feelings or upset anybody, offend anybody. I hate Florida. I wish they would, you know, go chase Hurricane Matthew to some other conference. I, honestly, just bye. See you later. Foley and the new commissioner, all of you, take your Gatorade money and go somewhere. I, I, that's how much I despise you. I would almost take Florida State over you, honestly. Uh, but a and I don't. I, I, I probably would have liked A&M if it wouldn't have been for Jimbo. And uh, listen, I absolutely, from day one, you've heard me say it. If you know me too, I never, ever wanted Jimbo Fisher as a coach at LSU. And I'm so happy that uh, – Texas A&M decided they were going to pay him all that money. And I know we were throwing more money out of him, but I'm so happy that A&M's keeping him over there because, uh, yeah, I just I just can't stand it. He's just one of those guys. <clears throat> you know, if, if we are in person, we'd probably sit down and have a cup of coffee together and laugh and joke and all kind of stuff. But because of what it is, I just can't. No, it just, just aggravates the fire out of me. Anyway, I'm rambling again about Jimbo. Sorry about that. But this was my episode of Sports Sunday this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Check me out next week. I'm going to try to remind myself to go through my preseason rankings or preseason predictions for all the NFL teams. And we're getting a lot lot closer to fantasy football time. I may speak on that. We'll be speaking on that pretty soon anyway. So, But until next time, 
This is your favorite podcast of Market Trail with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut. Don't forget, go follow me, go share. Thanks again.